You're listening to It's All Good, Magic, Mysticism, and Earth Medicine. Visit us anytime at our new website, magic-and-medicine.com, and that's magic with a K. I'm your host, Dr. Candice Nadine Green. Mystic Queen Mother offers various spiritual services virtually. Now you can be anywhere in the world and receive intuitive readings, divination and consultation sessions, and even remote video intuitive readings via email. Your sessions will always include spiritual guidance and messages from your ancestors and spiritual team. My prices are reasonable and affordable. You can even book and pay safely and securely right online. Once you book, you'll get a link via email for your session. Visit magicandmedicine.com and click the services tab in the menu to learn more. That's magic-and-medicine.com. Oh, and don't forget, that's magic with the K. We're on Patreon. That's right. It's all good. Magic, mysticism, and earth medicine is finally on Patreon. Now you can support the show you love and have access to exclusive benefits like shout outs, merch, behind the scenes videos, and so much more. So you can support us at the $1 tier. $5 tier, $15 tier, or $20 tier. So head on over to Patreon and check out Magic and Medicine. And remember, that's magic with a K. Thank you for your support. All right. Thank you for uh, listening and for tuning in to our show. So we're adding a new segment to our show um where we try to read uh try to read some mystical magical stories short stories or fables etc and it's going to be on fridays i don't know how often on fridays maybe it's once a month maybe it's twice a month but i'm going you're going to have it anyway so this one that we're going to you're going to listen to today and forgive me for um any mistakes this book is available it's a short story it's available on amazon it's not an audible an audible yet but it's on amazon and anywhere books are sold you can just google it and you'll find a whole bunch of places it's sold the name of it is unforgiven and it's by yours truly candace nadine breen and this is my first uh, reading of it, recorded reading of it. So be patient, en- enjoy. And by the way, you can go on, subscribe to this podcast also on Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating if you don't mind. Now, if you don't have anything nice to say, 
send me an email, keep it to yourself. You know, we're all trying to do our best here and a constructive critic, you don't need to, to smash someone uh, publicly to make a point. You can take them aside and give them constructive criticism or give them no rating. And uh, I don't really think this show is all that bad. So just a five-star rating would be appreciated. Thank you. And enjoy listening to Unforgiven, a short story by me. Given by Candace Nadine Breen. By Candace Nadine Breen. Copyright 2020 by Awakened Path Books. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be translated, reproduced, or transmitted in any form without prior permission in writing from the author. The author and publisher are not liable for any typographical errors, content mistakes, inaccuracies, or omissions related to the information in this book. Copyright 2021 by Candace Nadine Breen. Printed in the United States of America. For all those who dare to dream. Acknowledgements. Thank you to the ancestors who constantly guide and teach me. Thank you to my loving family for their support. My husband, our children, and our two precious cats. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over? like a syrupy sweet. Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? Langston Hughes, Harlem. What a dreary day, he thought to himself, 
as he shrugged off his wet boots and coat. His damp brown skin dripped from the sudden summer rain. Happy to be home, he smiled as his fat orange cat rubbed against his leg. Tabitha, he said, hefting the cat's heavy body and cradling her in his arms. You've got to go on a diet. He decided he'd amuse himself with some television before dragging himself into the kitchen to make yet another sad microwave meal. No worries. At least there won't be any dishes to clean, he thought to himself as he slumped down into his overstuffed easy chair orange tabby on his lap, relieved to be in his nice dry apartment. Very well indeed, he smiled smugly. Very well indeed. She used to say that. She now gone but always present. She, whose voice echoed through his mind, invading his thoughts on an almost daily basis. She, whose picture stood out from the wall like a traffic signal, warning him at every moment of every day. He glanced over to her picture on the mantle and she stared back at him from above the fireplace. Her black face was creased with line upon line, each one of them a testimony to her long, sad life. Her white hair neatly curled about her head accentuated the stern look in her eyes as she glared at him from her chair. She didn't always look like that. Once she was soft and beautiful and her eyes would sparkle like diamonds with the vitality and excitement of youth. How he loved her so. Her cherry blossom lips would call to him during their rendezvous beneath the apple tree on his father's farm. He had courted her. 
That's what young men did back in those days. For nearly a year, before he had asked for her hand. She was so beautiful. And he dreamed of running away with her far, far away from the backbreaking work on his father's farm. He was going to make his fortune in the big cities up north. He'd get a real job while she would tend to the children and the house. The house he hoped to buy with the money he was going to make. That's what successful black families did back in his day. But married life and the big city life weren't all either of them had imagined. It wasn't easy for a black man from the South to get a job with decent pay. He tried and tried, but it was never enough. And the children, they had dreamed of a large family, but they only managed to produce one child, a boy, Trevor, named after her brother who had been good to them back home. She grew more unhappy with each failed attempt to conceive another child. The apartment was cold and small and she longed for the warmth and space of the South. She knew he could find work back home and she begged him to leave. She thought that one day he could take over his father's farm, but he refused saying he didn't want to crawl back like a broken and a failed man. Over time, she gave up trying and became more and more despondent. She hardly spoke to him when he came home, except to tell him that his meal was on the stove. Her once bright eyes shone not at all and her growing unhappiness produced the growing lines on her face when it happened. The streets were filled with kids during the summer. They played basketball using hoops made from milk crates. No one had to know anyone. They only had to know how to play. 
back in his time, black boys judged one another by the game, not by the green in their pockets. Because after all, hardly anyone had any money. Their son was exceptional. One day she knew he would become a star and they'd move away from the dingy overcrowded streets. She was so proud of Trevor. They'd finally be free. And sometimes it looked as if her eyes hinted at the possibilities of happiness. Trevor had grown into a tall, muscular, and handsome young man. One hot and humid summer night, he was walking back home from a scrimmage basketball game, a towel thrown over his damp, sweaty shoulders. Now that he was old enough, he could walk by himself to the neighborhood court. No more playing in the street with the milk crate for a hoop for him. Someday, he was going to be a professional and earn lots of money to buy his mom and dad a nice big home in a nice place far away from this nasty city. She warned him not to stay out too late. The streets were not safe at night for black boys, especially ones who walked alone. No good can come out of you being stubborn like your father. She had said that night. But now it was late and she paced the kitchen floor, worry creasing her forehead. Hours passed and no heavy and familiar footsteps ascended the rickety stairs. He didn't suffer long. He never saw it coming. They were five and they were fast. Of course they were. Those cowards never traveled alone. Alone like Trevor was the night it happened. They jumped Trevor from behind and one of them stabbed Trevor with a knife. He was found the next morning by a family on their way to church. Little girls dressed for Sunday school. Trevor's body lay on the sidewalk 
his blood pooled from where he had bled out alone in the night. The assailants were never found as no one really bothered to look. She blamed him for Trevor's death. He knew that. If they had moved back down south, if they had lived on his father's farm, Trevor would still be alive. There would have been loads of strong black cousins who would be around to look after Trevor and he would never have to be alone. He had said that the opportunities and the education were better up here. But what did any of that matter now? Sadness turned to sorrow. She no longer cared what she looked like. The apartment accumulated dust. She lost her soul the night Trevor was killed and her eyes reflected nothing but emptiness every time she looked at him. When he came home from work, his meals were no longer on the stove. They occupied the same space, but they no longer lived together or otherwise. It went on like that for days, which turned into weeks which turned into months, which turned into years. People said that it was that sadness that ultimately killed her. Others said that her spirit had become consumed first with living a loveless life and the desire to return to the South, then by the loss of her only hope. When Trevor died, she died too. He never moved from the apartment. Everything remained as it had always been. Now that it was only he and the orange tabby who occupied the cramped, dusty space, he could come and go as he pleased. He worked to pay the bills. He worked to keep busy. Sitting across from her picture, stroking his tabby, 
the dim light reflecting his silver hair. He thought to himself how she was never really happy here and that she had always blamed him for her unhappiness. Her frozen portrait glared down its final judgment. Tabitha mewed. Why did you leave the farm? He heard her ask. Trevor is dead because of you. He heard her say. I only tried to make life better for us. He said aloud. You were always stubborn. I loved you so much. Remember when we were young? That was a long time ago. You were happy then because we didn't live here. Did you ever love me? Why do you ask that? We had big dreams. You ruined everything. We were going to raise a family in a house of our own. We had nothing. We were never going to have anything. Your dreams were a waste of time. Your stubbornness killed our son. He stood, Tabitha plopping to the worn carpet. He slowly approached her picture. I tried my best. Stupid. Please forgive me. No response. Forgive me. I miss you terribly. Her eyes grew darker and he fell to the floor in despair. He reached out his hand only to be shunned. All you had to do was take us back to the farm and our son would still be alive. You killed Trevor. You killed me. No, I tried to. Now you shall perish in this box you call a home and you shall perish alone. No one will mourn you. No one will care. No one will even know. Mm.
baby. I only wanted to give you the best. Silence. 30 days passed. Only when a foul stench permeated the hallway did anyone think to check on the old man who lived on the second floor. Finally, the landlord showed up and forced the door open. The smell was horrible. Dust layered the shelves and the furniture. The air itself was rotten. Roaches scuttled away from the light. The landlord discovered the corpse wrinkled and decayed. He was sprawled on his backside. A picture frame clutched to his chest. The old man must have fallen after taking the picture from the wall, the landlord thought. The landlord looked at the picture. The smiling faces of a young and attractive brown-skinned couple with a little boy who looked up at them with unconditional love in his eyes. The three of them were frozen in time, striding down what appeared to be a long dirt road. Thank you for listening to It's All Good, Magic, Mysticism, and Earth Medicine. Check us out at magic-and-medicine.com. And that's magic with a K. Thanks for listening. You're listening to It's All Good, Magic, Mysticism, and Earth Medicine. Visit us anytime at our new website, magic-and-medicine.com, and that's magic with a K. I'm your host, Dr. Candice Nadine Green. Mystic Queen Mother offers various spiritual services virtually. Now you can be anywhere in the world and receive intuitive readings, divination and consultation sessions, and even remote video intuitive readings via email. Your sessions will always include spiritual guidance and messages from your ancestors and spiritual team. My prices are reasonable and affordable. You can even book and pay safely and securely right online. 
Once you book, you'll get a link via email for your session. Visit magicandmedicine.com and click the services tab in the menu to learn more. That's magic hyphen and hyphen medicine.com. Oh, and don't forget, that's magic with the K. We're on Patreon. That's right. It's all good. Magic, mysticism, and earth medicine is finally on Patreon. Now you can support the show you love and have access to exclusive benefits like shout outs, merch, behind the scenes videos, and so much more. So you can support us at the $1 tier, $5 tier, $15 tier, or $20 tier. So head on over to Patreon and check out Magic and Medicine. And remember, that's magic with a K. Thank you for your support. All right. Thank you for uh, listening and for tuning in to our show. So we're adding a new segment to our show um, where we try to read uh, tried to read some mystical, magical stories, short stories or fables, etc. And it's going to be on Fridays. I don't know how often on Fridays. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's twice a month. But I'm going. You're going to have it anyway. So this one that we're going to, you're going to listen to today. And forgive me for um, any mistakes. This book is available it's a short story it's available on amazon it's not an audible an audible yet but it's on amazon and anywhere books are sold you can just google it and you'll find a whole bunch of places it's sold the name of it is unforgiven and it's by yours truly candace nadine breen and this is my first uh reading of it recorded reading of it so be patient, enjoy. And by the way, you can go on, subscribe to this podcast also on Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating if you don't mind. Now, if you don't have anything nice to say, send me an email, keep it to yourself. You know, we're all trying to do our best here and a constructive critic, you don't need to, to smash someone publicly to make a point. You can take them aside and give them constructive criticism or give them no rating. And uh, I don't really think this show is all that bad. So just a five-star rating would be appreciated. Thank you. And enjoy listening to Unforgiven, a short story by me. Given by Candace. Nadine Breen by Candace Nadine Breen. Copyright 2020 by Awakened Path Books. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be translated 
reproduced, or transmitted in any form without prior permission in writing from the author. The author and publisher are not liable for any typographical errors, content mistakes, inaccuracies, or omissions related to the information in this book. Copyright 2021 by Candace Nadine Breen. Printed in the United States of America. For all those who dare to dream. Acknowledgements. Thank you to the ancestors who constantly guide and teach me. Thank you to my loving family for their support. My husband, our children, and our two precious cats. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? Langston Hughes, Harlem. What a dreary day he thought to himself as he shrugged off his wet boots and coat. His damp brown skin dripped from the sudden summer rain. Happy to be home, he smiled as his fat orange cat rubbed against his leg. Tabitha, he said, hefting the cat's heavy body and cradling her in his arms. You've got to go on a diet. He decided he'd amuse himself with some television before dragging himself into the kitchen to make yet another sad microwave meal. No worries. 
At least there won't be any dishes to clean, he thought to himself. As he slumped down into his overstuffed easy chair, orange tabby on his lap, relieved to be in his nice dry apartment. Very well indeed, he smiled smugly. Very well indeed. She used to say that. She, now gone, but always present. She, whose voice echoed through his mind, invading his thoughts on an almost daily basis. She, whose picture stood out from the wall like a traffic signal warning him at every moment of every day. He glanced over to her picture on the mantel and she stared back at him from above the fireplace. Her black face was creased with line upon line each one of them a testimony to her long, sad life. Her white hair neatly curled about her head accentuated the stern look in her eyes as she glared at him from her chair. She didn't always look like that. Once she was soft and beautiful and her eyes would sparkle like diamonds with the vitality and excitement of youth. How he loved her so. Her cherry blossom lips would call to him during their rendezvous beneath the apple tree on his father's farm. He had courted her. That's what young men did back in those days. For nearly a year before he had asked for her hand. She was so beautiful and he dreamed of running away with her far, far away from the back-breaking work on his father's farm. He was going to make his fortune in the big cities up north. He'd get a real job while she would tend to the children and the house. The house he hoped to buy with the money he was going to make. That's what successful black families did back in his day. But married life and the big city life weren't all either of them had imagined. 
it wasn't easy for a black man from the South to get a job with decent pay. He tried and tried, but it was never enough. And the children, they had dreamed of a large family, but they only managed to produce one child, a boy, Trevor, named after her brother who had been good to them back home. She grew more unhappy with each failed attempt to conceive another child. The apartment was cold and small and she longed for the warmth and space of the South. She knew he could find work back home and she begged him to leave. She thought that one day he could take over his father's farm, but he refused, saying he didn't want to crawl back like a broken and a failed man. Over time, she gave up trying and became more and more despondent. She hardly spoke to him when he came home, except to tell him that his meal was on the stove. Her once bright eyes shone not at all, and her growing unhappiness produced the growing lines on her face when it happened. The streets were filled with kids during the summer. They played basketball using hoops made from milk crates. No one had to know anyone. They only had to know how to play. Back in his time, Black boys judged one another by the game, not by the green in their pockets, because after all, hardly anyone had any money. Their son was exceptional. One day she knew he would become a star and they'd move away from the dingy, overcrowded streets. She was so proud of Trevor. They'd finally be free. And sometimes it looked as if her eyes hinted at the possibilities of happiness. Trevor had grown into a tall, muscular, and handsome young man. One hot 
and humid summer night, he was walking back home from a scrimmage basketball game, a towel thrown over his damp, sweaty shoulders. Now that he was old enough, he could walk by himself to the neighborhood court. No more playing in the street with the milk crate for a hoop for him. Someday, he was going to be a professional and earn lots of money to buy his mom and dad a nice big home in a nice place far away from this nasty city. She warned him not to stay out too late. The streets were not safe at night for black boys, especially ones who walked alone. No good can come out of you being stubborn like your father. She had said that night. But now it was late and she paced the kitchen floor, worry creasing her forehead. Hours passed and no heavy and familiar footsteps ascended the rickety stairs. He didn't suffer long. He never saw it coming. They were five and they were fast. Of course they were. Those cowards never traveled alone. Alone like Trevor was the night it happened. They jumped Trevor from behind and one of them stabbed Trevor with a knife. He was found the next morning by a family on their way to church, little girls dressed for Sunday school. Trevor's body lay on the sidewalk his blood pooled from where he had bled out alone in the night. The assailants were never found as no one really bothered to look. She blamed him for Trevor's death. He knew that. If they had moved back down south, if they had lived on his father's farm, Trevor would still be alive. There would have been loads of strong black cousins who would be around to look after Trevor and he would never have to be alone. He had said that the opportunities and the education were better up here.
but what did any of that matter now? Sadness turned to sorrow. She no longer cared what she looked like. The apartment accumulated dust. She lost her soul the night Trevor was killed and her eyes reflected nothing but emptiness every time she looked at him. When he came home from work, his meals were no longer on the stove. They occupied the same space, but they no longer lived together or otherwise. It went on like that for days, which turned into weeks, which turned into months, which turned into years. People said that it was that sadness that ultimately killed her. Others said that her spirit had become consumed first with living a loveless life and the desire to return to the South, then by the loss of her only hope. When Trevor died, she died too. He never moved from the apartment. Everything remained as it had always been. Now that it was only he and the orange tabby who occupied the cramped, dusty space. He could come and go as he pleased. He worked to pay the bills. He worked to keep busy. Sitting across from her picture, stroking his tabby, the dim light reflecting his silver hair, he thought to himself how she was never really happy here and that she had always blamed him for her unhappiness. Her frozen portrait glared down its final judgment. Tabitha mewed. Why did you leave the farm? He heard her ask. Trevor is dead because of you. He heard her say. I only tried to make life better for us, he said aloud. You were always stubborn. I loved you, 
so much. Remember when we were young? That was a long time ago. You were happy then because we didn't live here. Did you ever love me? Why do you ask that? We had big dreams. You ruined everything. We were going to raise a family in a house of our own. We had nothing. We were never going to have anything. Your dreams were a waste of time. Your stubbornness killed our son. He stood, Tabitha plopping to the worn carpet. He slowly approached her picture. I tried my best. Stupid. Please forgive me. No response. Forgive me. I miss you terribly. Her eyes grew darker and he fell to the floor in despair. He reached out his hand only to be shunned. All you had to do was take us back to the farm and our son would still be alive. You killed Trevor. You killed me. No, I tried to. Now you shall perish in this box you call a home and you shall perish alone. No one will mourn you. No one will care. No one will even know. Baby, I only wanted to give you the best. Silence. 30 days passed. Only when a foul stench permeated the hallway did anyone think to check on the old man who lived on the second floor. Finally, the landlord showed up and forced the door open. The smell was horrible. Dust layered the shelves and the furniture. The air itself was rotten. Roaches scuttled away from the light. 
the landlord discovered the corpse wrinkled and decayed. He was sprawled on his backside, a picture frame clutched to his chest. The old man must have fallen after taking the picture from the wall, the landlord thought. The landlord looked at the picture. The smiling faces of a young and attractive brown-skinned couple with a little boy who looked up at them with unconditional love in his eyes. The three of them were frozen in time, striding down what appeared to be a long dirt road. Thank you for listening to It's All Good, Magic, Mysticism, and Earth Medicine. Check us out at magic-and-medicine.com. And that's magic with a K. Thanks for listening.